And we've done this a little different. We used to do baby dedications at a certain time of year, and we don't maybe do them once a year. And, and I thought, why, why wait and do them all? I like them to be special. I like it to be individual. And it's like a baptism. We don't have to wait on 10 people to fill the pool up, man. If somebody needs to be baptized, we want to fill it up and do it then, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's, that's uh, I like doing that. When the need arises, we want to take care of business right then. For It's a very special, very individual thing. So I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be a, a part of their life, and, and I'm glad they're a part of our lives and a part of this church. We're blessed to have them here. All right. Turn your Bible, if you would, to uh, Mark chapter 9. We're going to transition right from that, right into our message this morning. Mark chapter 9, you can, you can just mark your place there and, and sit there, park there for a minute, because we will get there, I promise you. Okay. Have a little bit of introduction, but we'll get there. So let's, uh, as you're turning, just uh, we'll take a little moment. I want to have a word of prayer here as we start our service. Father, thank you for... Um, Lord, it's already been a blessing this morning as we've sung praises to your name. And we, we've been able to take part in this beautiful ceremony of this baby dedication, dedicating little Levi to you. Uh, Lord, that's an act of faith by, on the part of their parent, his parents and, um, Lord, of this church. And we, we do, Lord. We, we look to the day. We look forward to the day when little Levi makes that profession of faith in Christ. And he gives his heart to you, Lord, and trusts you to save him and take him to heaven. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We pray that's at a very young age. And Lord, now as we transition to this part, the, the, this, this such an important part of our service every week, as we open up the Word of God, Lord, I pray that you'd give clarity in my thoughts and my speech as I communicate what you've prepared in me over the last few weeks. And Lord, I pray that um, even in spite of these lips of clay, that, Lord, you will use what is said and what is presented this morning. You'll use it. You'll work through it. And you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, maybe folks will hear things I haven't even said uh, or not hear something that I, I, I might speak amiss. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to each heart that's here. And as we come before you right now, humbly, may we, may we truly come humbly before your word, so that, Lord, we can hear from you and that, God, you would do what needs to be done in our lives. May we be obedient to respond to whatever that is. So bless now, and we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. On February, or back in February of 2015, I probably should have gotten a picture of this. I, I could have shared it with you, and you, you, would, you would understand. Uh, you would have a, but, but if I just, once I describe this, you're going to probably have memory of this. But in February of 2015, 20 Coptic Christians were beheaded by ISIS terrorists. They were, they were marched out onto a beach in Libya. They were put on their knees. If you'll remember, they had on the orange jumpsuits. And behind them were, were black-clad uh, individuals behind every one of them with a knife or a, or a machete or a sword or, or something. But they marched these 20 Christians out there on the beach, and they made them kneel down. They put them on their knees and uh, each one had a, an ISIS soldier behind them uh, with that knife. And one by one, they were told this. They said, if you will renounce your faith in Christ, uh, then you can live. But if you do not renounce your faith in Christ, you will die. That is your choice. So one by one, they went down the line. And one by one, as they presented the opportunity to these Christians to deny their faith, and live, every 
single one of them stood for Christ. They refused to renounce their faith. And so one by one, these, these men were beheaded. One of the things that was noted as they were watching the video is that as others were being beheaded, the ones down here, some were praying, some were praising. But they were trusting God right there. And, and every one of those men were killed right there on that beach. That's an extraordinary faith right there. That's an extraordinary faith that's on display. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is extraordinary faith. And it's the kind of faith that I, I, hope, I, I hope I have. I, I don't know that I have that kind of faith, but I, but I hope that I do. And I've never faced that kind of a situation. But, but I hope that uh, if I don't have that kind of faith right now, I hope that one day I will have that kind of faith. So I want us to go back and look at Abraham, and I'm just going to read a few verses, but I want to talk about Abraham a little bit. Back in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall, and you shall be a blessing. God said, God said, let's just leave it there, okay? We just talked about what God said. But God said, Abraham believed and Abraham obeyed. Abraham did what God said, okay? Uh, Genesis 15, 5. Then he, God, uh, brought himself, uh, brought him outside. So he, God, brought Abraham outside and God said, so let's see what God says here. He says, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now you may, you may go out at night here in Florida and look up and go, ah, okay, I can count those stars. But if you've ever been anywhere where there's not a lot of light, the, the sky is amazing. When we were over in Central Asia and the power would go out at night it was, and, the, and the moon, when we didn't have the moon shining, it was incredible, the stars that we could see. I've never seen the sky like that. And it would have been like that for Abraham as he looked up. He couldn't count the stars. He couldn't see them. But God promised him, I'm going to make you, so shall your descendants be. And God made a promise right there to Abraham in Genesis 15:5. He made that promise to him several, on several occasions. Then uh, in Genesis 17, 19, then God said, listen here, God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Again, note, God said, Sarah is going to have a son, and you're going to name him, you're going to name him Isaac. Okay, God said, Genesis 21, 1, and the Lord visited Sarah. Now, now, now keep in mind, she is long past childbearing years. They've been waiting for years and years and years for this. Abraham's been waiting now 25 years from the promise. He's, he's waiting, and now God has done what he said he would do. Look, don't grow weary when God's made you a promise. Don't, don't give up on that because it didn't happen when you thought it should happen, okay? It, 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 Moses, Moses in the desert 40 years. God called him and used him. You know, here's Abraham waiting 25 years. He's waiting for this child of promise. And here it comes when, 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 when Abraham's 100 years old. Here, here's Sarah having a child. And the Lord visited Sarah and he, and, and he, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For, for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So again, God told him what to do. Abraham believed, and Abraham does what God says. 
what God said. <coughs> then we come to Genesis 22. Now remember, all these years, Abraham's waited on this child of promise. And, and he's seen God work a miracle to bring this child about in Isaac. And a hundred years old, this child is born. And he loves Isaac. This is, I mean, the, the apple of his eye. This is his favorite child. This is, the, this is the promised one. All of those things. He loves this son, Isaac. And he knows the promise God has made that through Isaac now, Isaac will be the one that the nations, all this, these these. The people, all these nations will be in all these peoples that you can't even count like the stars or the sand. He won't even be able to count for number. And they're coming through Isaac. And we come to Genesis 22 and he says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains for which I shall tell you. So, now, just think for a second. God tells you that. You're Abraham. You've waited all these years for this child of promise. God gives you this miracle baby. And then he says, Now, take your son. The one I've promised I'm going to do all these things through. You take your son and you go and I'm going to show you where to go. And you'll go on this mountain and you're going to offer him as a burnt offering. Now, most of us would go, oh, man, I had a terrible dream last night. Uh, you know what? I thought God told me this. We, we would think we had bad pizza the night before or something that, that, that got us. We would, but here's what we would do. We would probably uh, call some friends and we want to seek counsel. We want to go talk to the preacher. And, and, and say, preacher, you know, this is what God's told me. I, I don't know. And we would, we would pro here's what we'd probably do. We'd probably talk to as many people as it took for somebody to say, man, I wouldn't do that. It's exactly what we would do. And we talked to 10 people say, well, if God said it, you need to do it. And we'd, 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 oh, and we'd go to another one that said, hey, you know, I, I don't think I would do that. I, I don't, that couldn't be of God. And we'd go, oh, you're right. That's, you're, that's what we would do. That's not what Abraham did. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. Abraham didn't delay. He didn't pander around. He didn't seek counsel. He didn't talk to people. He heard from God. And he didn't delay. He just obeyed. He got up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Uh, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the, five, uh, the fire in his hand and a knife and the, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. We, we, and he said, here, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I mean, Isaac's no dummy. He's old enough to know, to know what's going on here. We're going to sacrifice. He knows the things you needed to sacrifice. And he's noticing, mm, there ain't no lamb here. Where's the lamb? Um, something's starting to smell a little fishy here. We're going off by ourselves, and you've got the fire, you've got the wood, you've got the knife, but we don't have a lamb. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. There's so much in that verse right there. I mean, we could, we could just camp right there. What a great verse. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him, woo, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. 
I've read that a hundred times. Can you imagine taking Levi and behinding him and putting him on the altar? That's what Abraham did here. And when he did, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And I, I, I picture it, I, I've always pictured it this way, as he took the knife and I believe he was ready. He was ready to make the, the, the cut and he was ready to do what God had told him to do. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to, her, to him. For now I know that you fear God. Now listen, understand, God knew what Abraham was going to do. I, I hear people say that, uh, and I read, read commentaries where they say, you know, God wanted to know whether Abraham would. Look, God knew what Abraham was going to do. You know who didn't know what Abraham was going to do? Abraham didn't know what Abraham was going to do. And so God was testing Abraham in, 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 in helping Abraham to learn. Abraham didn't know. Folks, we don't know how we're going to respond in any situation until we're in that situation. You can prepare. You can think through it. You can say, oh, but I'm a great Christian. I would do this or I would do that. You don't know till you face it. You don't know. That's why I said, I, I hope that I have the kind of faith those Coptic Christians had. If I face that, I hope that I would have that kind of faith. But he said, he said, uh, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Man, what a faith. I, I want to have faith like that. Anybody agree? Anybody else want to have that kind of faith? Now, we come to our passage this morning here in chapter 9. And the Lord has just come off the Mount of Transfiguration. He's had that experience. Some of the disciples have experienced that. They, they've, uh, they've been there. They were there with him. They saw this. They're blown away. They come down. They're all coming down off the mountain. And we come here to Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And we're going to see a miracle that God's going to do here. But we're going to learn some things in the process of this about faith. Verse 14, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Scribes were always stirring up trouble. So he comes, it's interesting when the Lord comes, he doesn't talk to his disciples, he confronts the scribes. So immediately when he saw, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. So he has a son. His son is possessed. He has a, a, a demonic possession. And it's a mute spirit. So he's, he hasn't talked. Verse 18, and wherever, it's, when it, uh, wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So, so he said, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So he has brought his son who is possessed of a demon who, now I've, I've read things and, and then these are people I don't read a lot anymore when they say this kind of stuff, but I've read things that say, well, you know, he was epileptic. He had epilepsy. No, that's not what the scriptures say. So are you going to believe what some, some liberal theologian or somebody who's, who's not believing the scriptures, the man says he's possessed. His, everything he does shows possession. And then Christ cast out a demon. If he cast out a demon, I think he must have been demon-filled. He was not. This wasn't epilepsy. It may have looked like epilepsy, but it wasn't epilepsy. This, this young boy, this young man, was possessed. 
And, uh, and he has brought now the, ch- the child, he's brought his son to Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't there at that moment, so he he's brings him to the disciples. And the disciples, if you read back a few chapters, God had, Christ had sent them out to do healings and cast out demons. And it's interesting that right here they couldn't. And we find out later, and we're not going to really get into that, but we find out that the only way to cast out this demon was through prayer and fasting. And they had gotten away from that. Maybe they'd gotten casual in their, in their faith or in their walk, but all of a sudden they were thinking it was them doing it. Maybe they hadn't gone to the Lord and said, God, if it be your will, help us to cast out this child. Whatever it was, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And then Jesus tells them point blank, the only way to cast this out, the only way is through prayer and fasting. So verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Folks, whatever, whatever, uh, whether it's uh, bring him to me or give him to me, whatever Jesus says, if he says bring him here to me or like Abraham, offer him here to me or give him here to me or dedicate him here to me, we should obey the Lord's direction. Amen? Whatever God tells us to do, that's what we should do. Verse 20, then they brought him to him. And when he saw him... Uh, now, now understand what this is saying. Then they brought him to him. They brought the boy to Christ, to him. And when he, the, 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 the demonic right here, the demon in him, when he saw him, Christ, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, uh, foaming at the mouth. So he, so he asked, now this is Christ, he asked his father how long... Has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And, and often he has thrown him into the fire and, and into the water to destroy him. Now we get to really the heart of what I want to share in this, in this story here. We look at the last part of verse 22. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, I'm going to tell you, I love the faith of those Coptic Christians. I want that kind of faith. I love Abraham. I love his faith. I want that kind of faith. But I'm going to tell you, I love this man right here because this man is like me. And maybe this man is like you. You know, I love when the Apostle Paul said, you know, I I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do, you know, because he's like me. You know, I can relate to Paul in that struggle. And I'm glad that the scriptures record that and the Holy Spirit put that there. That's for us, folks, to understand that Paul struggled. You sometimes we're going to struggle. This man struggling right here. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, so, so I can relate to that, and this encourages me, and I can relate to this man. And I, I, he says, I believe, yet there's still some unbelief in me. He says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. So what are we talking about here with belief? And we're, we're talking about faith. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about faith. Do I trust God? Do I have faith in God in this situation? Now, Webster defines faith as strong belief or trust in someone or something. So faith, let me just preface it with this as we're talking about faith. Faith should never be blind faith. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where God expects us to blindly follow Him or blindly do something that He hasn't first shared with us or told us or commanded us. 
He has not left us out here just wandering in the dark, trying to figure out what we should do. He's made it very clear. Our faith should never be a blind faith. There must, there must be a basis for our beliefs, a foundation to that, and that foundation is the Word of God. We have everything we need in the Word of God. So when we say belief, we're talking about faith. You know, I believe that, I have faith that. My faith, my belief should always be, my faith and my belief should always be based on His Word, on His promises. We know this man wasn't totally without faith because he brought his son to Jesus to heal him. You know, we don't know how much faith he had, but he had some. He had a little faith. Maybe, maybe, you know, you know, I don't know if he was a disciple. I don't know if he had been following or if this was the very first encounter that he had ever had with Jesus. You know, perhaps he was he was at his last hope. Maybe he had he, he had tried everything he, he could think of and, and everything else and nothing had, had helped. Maybe he had spent his last dollar in trying to help his son with no results. Perhaps he'd heard how Jesus healed and cast out demons and he had hope that Jesus might do something for them. And he brought him to Jesus. We also know that he, he did not have all faith because if he had, his words to Jesus would have been much different. They wouldn't have been reluctant words. They wouldn't have been hesitant words. They would not have been unsure words. So we know he had some level of faith, but we also know he didn't have all faith. He wasn't just super Christian in his faith, okay? He had a level of faith, but he also was struggling with doubt. It, it, it didn't help that when he brought the boy to the disciples, they weren't able to help. And he brought them and Jesus isn't there. So the disciples, hey, you're the followers of Jesus. Maybe you can cast. And they tried and they tried and they tried and they tried. And they couldn't cast out. So now that's hurt his faith a little bit. That's hurt his belief that can they really do anything? He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But if, if, now that's a word of uncertainty, right? If. He, he didn't come knowing, Lord, I know that you are a man of God and you, God does great things. I know that you can, you can touch my son. He didn't say that. He says, if, if, he's not sure whether or not Jesus can. If you can do anything, if you can, if you, if you Jesus, if you can, that's a phrase of ignorance. Because he doesn't know what Jesus can or can't do. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, really, we're going to take his, what he said, a little piece of it first. He says, if you can, well, let's read it. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He says, if. Again, that's a word of uncertainty. The, the question is not on me. The question is on you. If, if you can Believe. The man says, Jesus, if you can do anything, Jesus says, if you can believe. It's interesting here. Jesus says, if you can, it's almost like he's questioning him. You're, you're questioning me if I can? If I can, really? Do, do you know who you're talking to? The man obviously didn't. Not for certainty. And Jesus basically saying, saying certainly I can. That's not the issue here. I certainly can do anything. The if here is if you can believe. If you can believe. If you can have faith. He says if you can have faith, if you can believe, all things are possible 
to him who believes. Now understand what he says here. He says all things are possible. He did not say that if you can believe, you will have whatever you want, whatever you ask, whenever you ask it. He did not say that. He said all things are possible. Now this right here, this passage, those verses right there, it's one of the most abused verses in all of Scripture today. People have ripped it out of its context and made it the rationale for saying that their wishes will come true if they can just mount enough faith. There there are some who even teach that faith can control God. That if you believe enough, you just got to have enough faith. If you have enough faith, then if you do that, then God has to do it. And it's, it's like our faith controls what God does. Folks, that is man-made, man-centered, self-serving, false religion. That's what that is. And it makes God something He isn't. And it's idolatry. It's pure idolatry. Because when we change the God of the Scriptures, we are now worshiping an idol. We've made, we've created an idol that He does exactly what I want Him to do. That God is a man-created God and is, subject, and is subject to the wishes and wants of its creator. It's an idol. The fact is, faith must never go farther than God clearly promises. For whatever goes beyond God's word is not faith, but something else assuming the appearance of faith. You with me? Okay. So our faith never goes beyond God's word never goes beyond his promises. Romans 14, 23, for whatever is not of faith is sin. You know, if it's not faith, if I'm not, if it's not faith, then it's sin. But our faith, we, we, it's not faith when it turns into something that's idolatry that's not based upon God's word. So an example would be this. Say a parent you know, is greatly concerned over a sick child as this man was. And, and the, the, the child's health is, is bad and they long for the child's recovery. So he says to himself, you know, I believe that Christ can heal him and I believe that he will and I will pray in faith and I know that I will certainly be answered. And the belief is because I have enough faith. Now, God is obligated to do what I want him to do. And you know when the problem comes in? When God's will doesn't match my will. And we then question, well, God, where were you? I thought you cared. I had enough faith. But folks, that's because we've we've got the formula wrong. We've gone into new coke. And it's not good. It's the wrong formula. It's the wrong way of doing this. It's just wrong. And such a, pra- such a prayer goes beyond God's word. Certainly, absolutely, understand this. Christ can, he can, capital C-A-N, can heal this child. But Christ has not told him that his child will indeed be healed. He didn't tell him that yet. Our faith can mis- be misplaced. And this is where so many believers fall today. Their faith is in their faith. It's not in God. And it's not in God based on God's word. And it's not in God based on God's word in God's promises to us. We we want God to do what we want God to do. 
Y'all, y'all hear me use that quote about my daughter as a child, and I just learned so much about our own flesh and how we fight our flesh. And, you know, I want to do, I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to never forget Jordan telling me that. Dad, at six years old, I want to do what I want to do. But, you know, I'm 53, and sometimes I go, I want to do what I want to do. You know, and so that's what we do. But that's what we're doing right here. See, we want God to do what we want God to do, not what God wants to do. Uh, So we, we fail to rest in the promises of God and submit to the will of God. Um, in taking this stance, we place ourselves above God and our wants and plans become more important than His will and plans. Folks, it's important that we, we submit ourselves to the Lord and we submit ourselves to His will. And uh, listen, what Jesus said here to this man, He said to this man. When we pull that out and try to make that a doctrinal statement about faith, This was a conversation Jesus was having with this man right here. Now, the truth of what he said rests today. It's the same today. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. He was dealing with him. And in this this situation here, Jesus was challenging him to have faith, to have faith in Jesus. And he says, "If uh, if you can believe, then anything is possible. So if we believe anything is possible, but, but what he has not promised, uh, that whatever we want, we will have just because we have faith. Okay? Now, I think I beat that for a while. Y'all with me? Has everybody got it? You got it? All right, good. All right, now here's some things that, that I think that we get off on when we talk about faith and God answering and us having faith in these situations. There's this thing of praying in Jesus' name, and I pray in Jesus' name, okay? And, and so when I do that, I, I don't look at it, and this is not, praying in Jesus' name is not a magic formula. And I think some, some believe that it is. I pray in Jesus' name because my, my hope and my prayer is that my prayers line up with what would be pleasing to God. I want it to be in line with him. So there's this thing of in Jesus' name. And, and, and well, let's look at it. Let's just walk through this. And what does God do in that when it's asked in, in, in my name? So John 14, 13 says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now Jesus says right here, if you ask in my name, then I'll do it. Well, again, there are folks that will grab that right there and say, God said if we ask in Jesus' name, then he's going to do it. I have prayed for Magnum P.I.'s red Ferrari many, 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 many times in Jesus' name. And I, I, I tease on that. But that's what we do. And we go, why don't I have that? Because you know what? That wasn't God's will to give me that. And so it don't matter how many times I ask for it, and I can pray any formula I want to. That's not what he's promised. See, God's word never conflicts. One passage will never do harm to another. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And I'll put it to you this way. When, when your requests line up with His will, it'll be answered every time. When we pray according to the scriptures, it will be answered because he has promised the promises he's given us. If we trust that, let me just say this. God said, if you lack wisdom, pray, 
Ask for it. You know what? I've never not once, as far as I can tell, prayed for wisdom and God not answered that prayer. He says, if you have anxiety, you're nervous, you're full of care. He says, come to me with prayer and thanksgiving. And he says, the peace of God that passes all understanding, rule your hearts and minds. He'll give you that peace that passes all understanding. You won't even be able to relate it. You've been there. I've been there. The, the stresses of life and we go to God, we hold to those promises. John 15, 7, if you abide in me, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Understand that verse right there. If I'm abiding in Christ and his word abides in me, I'm not going to be asking for some selfish, uh, self-centered request. I'm going to be asking according to his will. I'm going to be praying in his will. And look, we can have confidence when we pray in his will, he hears it. When we pray those things in his name, when we're walking right with him, and we ask those things, he hears that petition. And when it lines up with his will, when my request lines up with his will, it's going to be answered every time. So why do we pray in Jesus' name? The name of Jesus is meant to represent the entirety of the life and ministry of Jesus, all that he did, all that he said, all that he experienced. Thus we pray in the name of Jesus to bring all the truth of Jesus' life and ministry to bear on the issue you are bringing to God in prayer. I mean, we're, 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 we're trying to grasp everything that Jesus is, not just this genie in a bottle. We're trying to line up with everything who he is. He is the word of God that was with God before creation. He is the one who acted in creation. He is the one who came and became part of his own creation and lived a sinless life and died for us. And he taught all these things that we know today. And he died for us. And he rose again so that we could be saved. And he has a personal walk with us when we confess our sin and turn to him for salvation. All these things. And we have the word that has been revealed after he ascended into heaven. And we have everything that we need. And when I pray in Jesus' name, I am praying all that. I want all of Jesus, not just a part that I try to idolatize, whatever. Y'all know, idolatrize. That doesn't sound right. I tried. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Thank y'all for being patient with the redneck from Georgia. Matthew 13, 57. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, listen to what was said here. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Did not say, that verse did not say he couldn't do many mighty works. It said he did not do because of their unbelief. Unbelief hinders what God wants to do in our lives. So there are some things and some times where we don't believe that God can do anything. There are souls we consider impossible to be saved. There are healings we think are beyond His power. There are situations that we feel are unresolvable. There are needs that we think are impossible. There are problems that we we think are just too big. God can't fix that. And you know what? For some today, there are viruses that we think are just too dangerous. We're still there, folks. Unbelief. And in this, we also sin. 
You know, we fail to believe the promises of his word or to pray in faith for their fulfillment. Great things would take place if we would just pray for them. Pray for salvation of people and peoples. Pray for revival. Pray for power in the church. Pray for unity in the church. Pray for miracles, physical and spiritual. Pray for peace. Pray for wisdom. All things are possible to those who believe. And then there's times where God just flat out tells you, I'm going to do something. I'm going to work a miracle here. And uh, you know what? When he does that, and he's done that. Some of you in this room can testify to those situations. Just real quick, I'll tell you, we had a situation years ago. We were at youth camp. Our evangelist was having trouble with his voice. He was having, here's a preacher who's having trouble with his throat and his voice. And, you know, that's, that's, if you can't talk, you got a problem. So he goes to the doctor and they did some scans. Well, he had a mass on his throat. And he comes to camp and they said they were going to do some follow-up stuff after camp. And while we're there, and y'all met Jeff Williams. Y'all remember Jeff Williams? He was the camp, he was the youth pastor on this trip. And Jeff, Jeff felt impressed of the Lord that we needed to pray over John, our evangelist. And so he called John Ford at the end of one of our services, called him forward, and, and he knelt there at the altar. And I'll never forget going and praying over him. I mean, it must have been 200 teenagers and 40 or 50 adults at least in that group. I mean, the whole room is down there and we're gathered around and laying hands on John and praying for him. And we, we, we leave there and a few weeks later, uh, we follow up with John about, you know, well, what's going on with your throat and stuff? And he says, you're not going to believe this. So he goes back to the doctor. They do more scans. They do more follow-up and they can't find anything. Amen. Oh, it just, you know, it was just must have been this and it cleared up and he went, no, I know what that was. That's God's doing. God didn't do it because we said, God, we have enough faith. Now you're obligated to do it. God said, I'm going to heal him. Y'all pray. Y'all pray the prayer of faith over him. Y'all pray for healing over him. And we obeyed and we did what God said to do. What if John had said, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. God's not going to heal me. You know what? God may not have healed him. So... Our unbelief hinders things that God wants to do in our life. So, look back at verse 24. It said, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, this is real faith right here. This is transparent, it's open, it's vulnerable, it's honest faith. He's right there in front of everybody as he says this. He didn't try to put on a fake, a fake thing about, well, Lord, you know I, I believe. I'm strong in my faith. I've always believed you can do it, God. And I, I'm living my life to pray. No, no, no. He's just vulnerable and honest here. He said, I believe. But help, Lord, help me, Lord, to have more belief, more faith, more trust, more obedience. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as a dead man, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Faith opens the doors of possibility, but does not guarantee the outcome will be as we desire. That's where, folks, we hold on to the promises God has given us. God hasn't given us a promise in every situation. 
We, we, don't, we don't know in that situation that, that there's going to be healing. But we can believe and we can trust. And you know what? All things are possible. And we know God can work a miracle and bring healing. We don't know that he will work the miracle and bring healing. Does that mean God's not good? No, it means God is good. God has a plan that we don't always, we don't always know. We don't always understand. What if, what if, what if Jesus had answered... What if, what if God had answered Jesus' prayer? Lord, let this cup pass from me. Did Jesus have enough faith? Yeah. Was Jesus in sin? Oh, Jesus, was, was Je- Jesus must have had sin in his life because his prayer didn't get answered. No, the prayer was answered, but it was answered according to the will of God. And it was for God's glory and for our good. We'd all be lost and going to hell without hope today if, if God had answered that prayer. But Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. He said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it. But if not, your will be done. Your will be done, Lord. We must believe that God can do anything. We must believe the promises he has made us. And we must submit to and accept his will in all circumstances. Now, as I begin to close, uh, and Pastor Aaron, you guys can, can begin to uh, be ready to come forward. We're, we're just about done here. Um, I want to look back at Abraham real quick. You know, how could Abraham have the faith to offer his son, his only son, the son that he loved, the son of promise, the son he had waited for so long, the son that God said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a great nation through him, all these things. How is it that Abraham had such faith? Because he did. You cannot read that and see any lack of faith in Abraham. There was no hesitation. There, there, there may have been, he, he may have been hurting in his heart, but he believed. He believed. He had such great faith. And so how is it that he could do that? Because Abraham believed God. He took God at his word. He believed what God had promised to do through Isaac. And if he promised to do that through Isaac, he believed that he would do what he had promised. So he fully believed that if he offered Isaac as a burnt offering to the Lord, the Lord would have to resurrect Isaac because God keeps his word. Now, that's what I believe. I believe that Abraham believed that I don't know what God's going to do in this. But if he does, if I do have to slay him and offer him as a burnt sacrifice, then I'm going to do it because I believe that God will have to raise him up because he had promised to make a great nation out of Isaac. And if God's going to keep his promise and God always keeps his promise, then he's got to raise Isaac from the dead. Now, how do I know Abraham believed that? Because if you look at verse 5 in chapter 22, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. He didn't say, I'll come back to you. He said, we'll come back to you. When God's done doing what God's going to do in this, we're coming back to you. Abraham didn't know what God would do, but he knew what he could do, and Abraham believed. You know, we miss out on so many blessings because of unbelief. We miss out on many opportunities to witness to others when we have unbelief or weak faith. Now, at the beginning of this message, I shared with you about those 20 Coptic Christians that were killed uh, for their faith in Libya. But the actual number that were killed was not 20. It was 21. There were 20 Christians, and there was one other man there that 
that when they were studying the tapes, they knew that the, the, there was 13 of those men had come out of one area in Egypt and, and they had come over to Libya to work and they had been taken hostage. They do not know. They, I, I'm sure now maybe they figured it out, but they weren't sure at that time who this 24th first person was or how he got tied up into that. But they later identified him as an African man named Matthew um, Iyergo. Iyerga. I'm gonna, I think that's how you pronounce that. Matthew Iyerga. And so um, he was also killed. They also killed him. That, but, but Iyerga was not a Christian. And so the, they're not even sure how he got included in that. But Iyerga knelt in the line as the executioners asked each of the Christians to reject Christ and then beheaded them when they refused. And they come down the line. And when they get to Iyerga, they ask him, do you reject Christ? He, he had obviously been deeply moved and impacted by their unbel, uh, or unbending belief and faith in Christ. And he calmly confessed to the captors, their God is my God. Now, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what you think theologically, but what I think is in just a moment, he was in, he was, he was in the presence of God Almighty. Like the thief on the cross who this day you'll be with me in paradise. I believe that was faith. He saw faith exhibited. Faith in the one true God. And he claimed his profession was their God is my God. Your faith right now, your trust right now in God can either draw people to Christ or turn them off to Christ. Christ, uh, uh, faith is more than just, I believe. It's more than just, I have faith. It's more than just, I'm trusting God. How does it work out in your life? Is it evidenced in your life? But I promise you, God's not intimidated or upset when you go, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've struggled. I'm 53 years old. I've been a Christian for 35, 36 years now. I've struggled in my faith at times. I've been right here. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can't we just be real with God? Because you're lying to Him. Otherwise, He already knows. He already knows. And he knows you're lying to Him. Yeah, I'll fool God. I'll tell Him how good, how, how, how much I believe. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. This morning, as we, we, we'll have a moment here of, of invitation, uh, this altar is open. Maybe this morning you want to come and talk to God. Maybe this morning you're there. I, you know, I believe, but Lord, I need, I need your help with my unbelief. Maybe there's something you're struggling with in your faith. Maybe there's something you're struggling with in your walk. Maybe there's a situation in your life where you go, Lord, I believe you can do this. I, I believe you can fix that. Lord, help my unbelief. I'm struggling. So maybe there's somebody you need to pray for. Maybe, that, maybe there's somebody in your family, maybe a friend, a, a, a co-worker, somebody that you need to lift up. They need the Lord. Maybe, maybe you need to pray for their salvation. Folks, we've, we've had a lot this morning, this message. There's a lot of things on the table that maybe we need to be talking to God about. But maybe it's about me and my faith. 
Maybe my faith isn't where it needs to be. The answers are there. The Lord will help us with that. And that struggle in our faith, He'll help us with that. We can seek counsel from others. We can come. We can talk to God. Maybe this morning, you may just want to come to tell God, I believe. The Lord help my unbelief. And this morning, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I challenge you to think about that, that Matthew Ayerga who witnessed the faith of 20 Christians who, who believed so strong they were willing to be beheaded. He was convinced. Their God is my God. And this morning, He can be your God. Father God, I 